Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody here this morning. We got a pretty good crowd in here today. That's good to see people coming back out. Uh, uh, this morning, uh, if you watch the videos on YouTube, uh, if you watched last night's, so I apologize because you're going to hear some of it again this morning. That was kind of a preview for the sermon. Uh, if you want to get your Bibles out, the first passage we're going to be at this morning is in the book of James, James chapter 3. Uh, we're preparing to get into the Easter season, so we're going to have some sermons talking about uh, the crucifixion and resurrection coming up. But we've got a couple of Sundays before that, and this morning I just want to share something with you that's kind of been on my mind a lot lately. Um, and by lately, I mean the last couple of years. Uh, if, you, if you watch the devotion from last night, it's talking about the things we say. Uh, the PowerPoint is up here. You see the title of the sermon is, Be Careful What You Say. I can remember being a little kid and being taught this rhyme, and perhaps you remember this rhyme. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I used to believe that, but I learned real quick, because believe it or not, I got picked on a lot as a kid. I was chubby, you can imagine that. Uh, words, names do hurt. Uh, and what I've found is I've gotten older, and I've seen my own children uh, suffer some bullying, I've uh, seen other children grow up suffering bullying for things that are beyond their control. What I've learned is you can break your arm and it'll heal. You can cut yourself and you might have a scar, but it'll heal. And sometimes you'll forget all about it. But those names, those wounds, and those scars that are inside, sometimes they never heal. I'll be 51 this year. And I can still remember a specific incident that happened when I was in elementary school where somebody called me a name. Now I'm over it, long past being angry or upset at the person, but I can remember it. As I read through scripture, and like I said, I shared some of this last night, I'm starting to see Jesus talked a lot about the things we say and that they're important. This passage in the book of James this morning is a familiar passage probably to a lot of us. It talks about controlling your tongue, controlling the things you say. And it's really important, especially as believers, to watch out what we say because our words do matter. Now, I'm not talking about cancel culture. I'm not talking about being politically correct. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just living and breathing the things that Jesus lived and breathed, saying and acting the way Jesus acted. James is actually Jesus' half-brother, and he shares a, a lot of wisdom in the book of James. The book of James is one of the most practical books in the Bible. It's a very important book. There's a lot to learn. No matter how long you've been a believer, there's a lot you can learn from the book of James, especially in regards to the things we say. And it seems like that it's gotten a lot worse over the last few years, especially with social media, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And it's disturbing when I see people get on Facebook and Twitter and social media and say some of the hateful things that they say to one another. And it's bad enough when it's non-believers. But I can usually zone out and just ignore them. But what I've noticed, and it's not everyone, but there's a disturbing amount of Christians who get up there and say and do the exact same things as people in the world. And before I go any further, I will confess, I have been guilty as well. I have said things that I shouldn't have said. 
I have made fun of people. I'm not proud of it, but I've done it. So if you feel like I'm stepping on your toes or pointing fingers at you, I'm stepping on my own. I'm pointing the finger at myself because I have been guilty. Growing up, I was a huge Civil War fan. I used to like to read books about it and study it. And I've always been impressed by General Robert E. Lee. General Lee was once asked what he thought of a fellow officer in the Confederate Army, one of the officers that served under him. And it was an officer that had some really nasty things to say about General Lee. Very publicly, disparaging things. And so someone asked, what do you think about so-and-so, who has said this about you, and generally stopped and thought for a moment, and then gave the guy a satisfactory rating, said good things about him. And the person that asked the question seemed a little bit confused and almost upset, and said, but General, I guess you don't know what he's been saying about you. And once again, General Lee stopped and he paused. He says, oh yes, I know. But I was asked my opinion of him, not his, of me. Now, he could have ruined this guy's career. He could have ruined this guy's life. But he showed some grace and he showed some mercy. And I believe if you read anything about General Lee, he was a man of faith. I believe that came from his faith in Jesus. But how many of us have put in a similar situation would respond that way? Have we ever been insulted? I heard that somebody said something about us and our first response is to lash out and fight back. I have. I'll go ahead and tell you. I've been there. But as I've gotten older, and hopefully I've gotten wiser, I'm learning that sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. That the things I say and the things I do reflect not only on me, not only on the church, but they reflect on Jesus Christ. And if I'm out there saying things and doing things that are negative, it doesn't matter if people think I'm a jerk. But if I make Jesus Christ look bad, that's important. That's something that none of us should ever want to do, is to bring bad stuff on Jesus' name. And here's the deal. If we call ourselves Christians, we carry Jesus' name everywhere we go. If people know we are Christians and we don't act like it, it gives Jesus a bad name. James is writing, and starting in verse 1 of chapter 3, he actually addresses teachers and leaders. He says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive stricter judgment. And we've talked about this here since I've been here. When you're in a public eye, and that's whether you're a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, a preacher, or whether you're a parent or a grandparent, any type of leadership role you may have, not only are you judged more harshly by God for being responsible for other people, you're judged by other people as well. I can't get away with some of the things that some of you may be able to say because I'm the preacher. And whether that's right or wrong is irregardless. That's just the truth, right? Here it is, no matter what our position, no matter what our role, we shouldn't want to say and do those things in the first place, should we? But James is warning us, people are looking at you. I think this applies to all Christians. People are looking at you. People are listening to the things you say. Verse 2, he says, we all stumble in many ways. 
Amen. I don't know about you, but I know that applies to me. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, so he's talking about words, he is mature or complete. That word can mean complete. Able also to control the whole body. And then he's going to use some illustrations. He says, if we, we put bits in the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though they're very large and driven by fierce winds, they're guided by very small rudders. Wherever the will of the pilot directs. And we can even go even further. I watch a lot of these airline investigation shows, which I probably shouldn't. But a lot of these airline crashes are caused by those rudders and elevators, which are very small parts of the plane, but if they go wrong, they can cause all sorts of damage and destruction. So keeping those in mind, the bit in the horse's mouth or the rudder on a ship or the elevators and things on an airplane, he said, so too the tongue is a small part of the body. Remember we just talked about how each one of us are different parts of the body functioning together. He says, it's a small part of the body. It boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. I can remember some of those fires that ran out of control in California years and years ago. They found out they were caused by one little small campfire somebody didn't put out. Burned hundreds and thousands of acres from a little bitty fire. We can understand what James is saying here. He said, the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. That's pretty serious, wouldn't you say? Have you ever known somebody that everything that came out of their mouth was negative or hurtful or hateful or angry? What is, and you don't answer out loud. No names. But think to yourself, when you hear people that speak that way and everything that comes out is venom and poison, do you typically have a high opinion of that person or not? And like I said, I've been guilty of letting my mouth get me in trouble, saying things that I shouldn't have said. And I think we can all relate to that. Notice the language there. It's a fire, a little bitty fire, but you could cause massive damage. You can cause massive pain through words. It's not like the nursery rhyme. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but yes, our words can hurt people. Our words can harm people. If you look at the research, the level of bullying, there, there have always been bullies. Let's just go ahead and deal with that. But in the internet age, the way people can cyber bully people effectively and the intensity in which they do it, you see suicide rates among young children. We're not talking grown-ups with life's problems. We're talking eight- and nine-year-old children who are so miserable because of the things people say to them that their only recourse is to take their own life at nine years old because people are hateful and say terrible, horrible, ugly things to them. The tongue is a fire and can destroy people. It can destroy organizations. It can destroy families. Verse 7, James says, Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You ever had a thought come to your mind and you know you shouldn't say it? And you have to fight yourself so you don't say it? 
restless. It's just waiting to jump out of your mouth. And notice what James says. No one can control the tongue. Fortunately, we do have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what helps us bring these things under control. But look at what he says here. This is where it really jumps out at us as believers. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, which is what we should be doing. That's appropriate speech to give praise to God. And with the same tongue, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. things we say and the things we do reflect upon what's in our heart. Jesus said you can tell a tree by the fruit on it. Have you ever known someone that was a pretty good person? They worked hard, took care of their family, maybe even went to church, but once again, everything they said was negative, critical, bitter. That's a reflection of what's going on in your heart. And James makes it really clear that on our own, we try to do it by ourselves. We're going to fail. We can't control our tongues. Eventually, if we try to handle it on our own, we're going to slip. Somebody's going to push the right button at the wrong time. And we're going to say something that later on we regret saying. James says it's difficult but we need to understand if we just start saying any and everything that comes to our mouth, if we fight back the way the world fights, we're doing nothing good. We're causing more harm. There's no fight worth winning. There's none. There's no fight, no argument, no debate worth winning if you have be a poor reflection on Jesus Christ. And trust me, especially on social media, I've got friends on social media and sometimes I'm ashamed to call them friends. And some of them are Christians. Some of them are ministers. I'm like, I can't believe. And once again, I'm not trying to be overly critical or judgmental because I've done it. That's one of the reasons I don't post on Facebook much at all anymore except Bible verses. Because I know that's a weakness of mine. I like to get into it with folks. And I've learned that nothing good comes from that. I usually don't win the argument. I usually end up making myself look like a jerk. And worse, it's a poor reflection on Jesus Christ. And it's not worth it. I've got another passage that I want us to look at. It's the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. He's talking about living a new life. Living a life that is influenced and characterized by the Holy Spirit. And if you've been watching the devotions on Facebook, that's what we've been talking about, the Holy Spirit. So even though this is a slight deviation, it is within this same topic. Because truthfully, the only way we can accomplish anything 
of spiritual significance. The only way we can overcome this world is through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can try on your own, and you may have some success. You may overcome some things. You may defeat some enemies. But ultimately, if you don't rely on the Spirit of Jesus Christ, you're going to lose. Eventually, you're going to mess up. Eventually, somebody's going to get the better of you. And Paul is talking about what it looks like to live in the Spirit. Beginning in verse 17, I know I put verse 20 on, but I want to back up and go to verse 17 and give the context. Therefore, and that means what he's just been talking about. He's talking about the whole body, what we've just been talking about. We've been knitted together, those of us in the church, and we're held together by the Spirit. He says, so therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer live as the Gentiles live. And when he uses that word Gentile, he means pagan, people who don't believe in Jesus. You should no longer live like that in the futility of their thoughts. That really jumped out at me as I was reading it again this week. When we are living according to the world's standards, when we're trying to think and understand and reason the way the world does, it makes absolutely no sense. Can we all agree on that? Yeah. It's futile. Pointless. There's no reason to do it. Because one of the things that happens when we become Christians is not only do we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we now have the mind of Christ. So we should think like Christ. We should stop thinking the way we used to think. And one of the ways I used to think is I've got to win every battle, I've got to win every debate, I've got to shut this person up and put them in their place, and it's futile to do that. That's not thinking like Christ. What did Jesus do when he stood before his accusers and those who mocked him? He said nothing, absolutely nothing. And he was God in the flesh. Who do I think I am? Paul says, stop doing that. The definition of the word repent means to change the way you think. And in doing so, change the way you live. So when Peter in Acts 2 says, repent, people, it doesn't mean just turn around. It means stop thinking the way you used to think. Stop living that way. He continues in verse 18. They, people who live according to the word, are darkened in their understanding Excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. I'm not perfect, haven't even come close to living a perfect life, but when I look at some of the things going on in the world today, it baffles me. I know every generation says, well, it's worse now than it used to be. And I know you can go throughout history and there's always been evil. There's always been decadence. But when I look at the world today and remember what it was like being a kid in the 70s and 80s, I'm like, what in the world is going on? I can tell you what's going on. You have a world living outside of Christ, living in that old pattern of thinking that Paul says is pointless. It gets you nowhere. The things they say and the things they do are pointless. Look at verse 20. I love it when there's a but in Scripture. But. That is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. What he's saying to them, and what he's saying to us too, is this morning if you know Christ, 
You shouldn't think like that. You shouldn't act like that. You shouldn't respond the way they do. And this is what we're supposed to do. Look at verse 22. Take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and the majority of those are in our mind and in our hearts, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. And you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. And you don't have the Holy Spirit until you confess that Jesus is Lord. When you obey the scriptural command to be baptized, it says your sins are forgiven, and then you're given the Spirit. And then for the rest of your days, you're expected to walk in the Spirit and grow in the Spirit and live according to the Spirit. He says in verse 25, Therefore, because of what Jesus has done, because you have his spirit in you, because you're not thinking that old way, you're not living that old way, put away lying. Speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Remember, we're all part of the same body. If we're lying and being deceitful and not being honest with one another, it hurts all of us. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. If you've offended someone and you know it, go apologize. If someone has offended you, let them know, I forgive you. Don't wait. Do it right then. Do it right there. Remember, Jesus says, if you come to the altar to present your offering and remember you have something against your brother, stop. Put it down. Don't offer it. Go and make things right. Then come back and present your offering. When we have the bitterness, when our lives and our speech don't match who we say we are, it affects us on every single level, even our worship. It says, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he's to do honest work with his own hand. And this is the one I really want to focus on. So if you're one of those underlining or highlighting type of people, No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. So let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you. And then I'm actually going to jump to the first two verses of chapter 5 there. Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. And he continues on in verse 4. He says, obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable. The things we say matter. The things we say are important. I used to read verse 29. It says, no foul language. I used to think, well, that's dirty words. That's bad words. And that is part of it. But you could say some awfully hateful and inappropriate things with perfectly fine words. So part of it is profanity and obscenity because I don't believe that's proper for Christians. But you can break somebody down and not use a bad word to do it. You can say hateful things to people. You can harm them emotionally, 
You can harass them and bully them to the point where they don't believe life is worth living and then take their own life without ever using a cuss word. Said, Nothing should come out of your mouth that is harmful or dirty. He said, if it comes out of your mouth, look what he says there in verse 29. The only things that should be coming out of, out of our mouth outside of outright praise to God, that's expected, is what is good for building up someone in need so it gives grace to those who hear. And when we don't do that, does, you see what he says there? It grieves God's Holy Spirit. It injures his body. It hurts his church. And without being too melodramatic, I believe it breaks his heart. We need to be really, really careful, folks. Myself included. There are often times I see something on Facebook and I, I want to jump in and I have to stop. And go, don't do it. Don't do it. Just don't do it. There are times... When I'm talking with my grown sons, who can drive me up the wall. Love them, but they drive me up the wall. And I have to stop and say, Lee, don't say that. Just say something positive. They know it all. There's no need to try to argue and debate them. You're not going to win because they know everything. But say something graceful. Something merciful. Treat them the way you hope Jesus treats you if you stood before him. And we know what Jesus did for us. I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't know about for you, but for me, oh, it was hard. It's difficult. It's hard enough to say the right thing. It's even harder to not say anything. And like James says, no one can control the tongue. The Holy Spirit can. And the more we walk in the Spirit, which means... The more we're in his word and reading, the more we're praying, the more we're listening. Because that's a part of prayer we overlook. The most important part of praying is not the things we say to God. They're important. The most important part is to sit there, shut up, and listen to what he has to say back to us. And he will. I've never heard his audible voice, but I've heard God speak to me through his word and through his spirit. So even though we can't control our tongues on our own, and yes, sometimes we're still going to mess up. James said it. Sometimes we're going to say something. We're going to have to go try and put that fire out. If we listen to his spirit, we'll walk more in his footsteps. We'll live more like him. And hopefully our speech will be more like him. Go back and read through the Gospels. I'm doing this crazy reading plan where I'm reading through all four Gospels every month for 12 months. I've already read through the Gospels twice already this year. And I'm amazed at what Jesus said and what he didn't say. He never fought back. He never had an unkind thing to say. Even when he was rebuking people, even when he was dealing with the Pharisees, he used strong language, but it wasn't hateful. And if I call myself a Christian and I bear his name, I have to ask myself, how am I living up to that standard? Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. And I thought about that. I'm like, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I get that. And those who eat it 
or love it will eat of its fruit. I'm like, what does that mean? Have you ever noticed that people gravitate towards the kind of people they are? The people that like to, to cuss and yell and do that gravitate to one another. And the people that speak gracefully and loving tend to gravitate towards one another. I had to do this myself. Look at the people that I attract. We attract people by the things we say and the things we do. And like kinds flock together. <clears throat> but death and life. We can build people up and encourage them and help change their lives just by being polite and kind in our words. Or as we see so too often, we can use our words to damage people to the point where they take their own lives because they feel worthless. And James says, we're made in the image of God. How dare we praise God and then curse those made in his image? And this morning I want to close with one more passage. I didn't put it up there, but it's in Matthew chapter 12. We're talking about living like Jesus, so I figured he'd probably be a good way to end this morning and see what he says. And in Matthew 12, beginning in verse 33, and I made reference to this just a moment ago. Jesus says, Matthew 12, 33, Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. That includes the things we say. You brood of vipers. And he's talking to the religious leaders, the hypocrites, because they would say one thing and do another. How can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, People will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That should wake every single one of us up. Careless. Sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. But it's a challenge for me, and it's a challenge for all of you. You're a Christian, and you know things you say and the things you do can have spiritual, eternal consequences. And our challenge is to say things that are filled with grace, filled with love. And if we have a problem and we struggle with it, and I confess I, I have, we get down on our hands and knees and say, Lord, let your spirit fix this problem in me. Let your spirit take over my mouth. And let the things that come out of my mouth Reflect the fact that I have you in me and produce that fruit in me. And let my words lead people to Jesus, not drive them away. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for who you are. Lord, we just thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, just help us to live according to the Spirit. If this is an area we struggle in, Lord, then let your Spirit overcome us. Let your Spirit convict us and show us the things that we say that should be removed. But then, Lord, give us the strength to do it. We know we can't do it on our own, so we just pray that you help us. Let the things that come out of our mouth give glory and praise to you and lift one another up. And we just pray this in your Son's name. Amen.